0: So, um, beginning of Advent, um, as I said, it's us being reminded of the first and second coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And every Advent, we um, pause um, what we're studying. So, we've been doing Ecclesiastes, and so we're going to take a break from Ecclesiastes. Some of you are like, Phew, wow, yeah, Ooh, it's This meaningless thing. <laughs> I've been enjoying it, and I'm sure many of you have. But um, we're going to take a break from Ecclesiastes, and we're going to enter into um, several weeks of an Advent series. And what we love to do during our Advent series is to really kind of expose you guys to other speakers and other teachers of God's Word. Um, and so this morning, we have someone in our midst, who's going to be preaching to us, um, who I absolutely love. Um, his name's Jeremy Ayer, and he is the director, catalyst, you explain what you are, of the North American Mission Board, which is a network that we are part of, the SEND network. Um, and I, there's so much I love about Jeremy. So before King's Cross even became a thought, um, I had met Jeremy several years before in san diego and i remember meeting you at starbucks i think utc or something and talking about the possibility of starting a church here and so i say that to say that every step of the way um jeremy a has been with us he has been and i mean this brother you have been an incredible um source of wisdom and encouragement not just for eleanor and i but for this local church right you guys are a part of this church and you guys are like man king's cross is such a blessing to me know that god has used jeremy immensely in making us who we are now, um, Jeremy is a servant. Um, that's one thing I love about him. Earlier today, at the back, when you guys were singing, I knocked someone's water over or his water, and I spilled it all over the floor. Um, and Jeremy, he's about to preach today. He, you know, stands up, goes to the restroom, gets some napkins, and starts cleaning um, the water. He could have said, "I'm preaching. Like, I'm not going to do this." You know, um, but he's such a servant, and he's served our church in so many ways in encouragement, he's part of the board of elders here at this church and um, trust me, he's an amazing guy and so this morning he's going to be speaking to us and he's blushing um, (laughs) because he probably hates all of this um,
1: but Jeremy Aya, everyone, hey, love you, brother, man. Thank you. So I love much. ya. Wow. And you're yeah. from
0: Arkansas, right? Yeah, from, from I l- Arkansas. I love his accent. Yeah, I
1: do. His is much cooler. No, it's than mine. not. Yours is. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, you're, we're good you there. But yeah, I always, you. I always tell Obed he could just read a phone book, and it sounds so awesome right? for for Americans. <laughs> Thankful for you, brother. I don't know if there's phone books exist anymore. But, uh, but for real, Obed and Elena are a dear couple, and uh, my wife and I, uh, we've been married now since 2005, so coming up on uh, 16 years, or 16 years, coming up on 17 years that we've been married, and we moved here in 2010 to be a part of church planting, and we planted at Mission Valley, and so we were at uh, Ultra Star Cinema, kind of like, I say it affectionately, a C-minus movie theater, you know. If you're looking to save a buck, you go there. It's not uh, the premier location, but uh, really sweet, amazing people, and there's not a lot of places to plant in Mission Valley, so we landed there, and God used that experience in so many ways, and as as Obed said, we're so grateful to be able to continue to serve here and uh, support church planters, and uh, I think I I just can remember there's so many times where God's grace held us up, and it's always His grace that holds us up, but... um, I just know that we as a network, we want to support uh, men and women like Obed and Elena and and just come alongside them along the way. And I know many of you may be new and you may not know the story of God's faithfulness for King's Cross, but it's very clear that God has wanted King's Cross Church to move forward. And so every time I come, I am I am blessed. I am encouraged just to be here. And, and as Obed said, during the season of Christmas, I feel like especially in, in San Diego, I grew up in a very... Um, much more of a, a, a Christian-informed environment, if you will. But I always felt a call. My wife and my wife is from Uruguay originally, and she grew up in, in a country that is in the capital city there, Montevideo. So it was only about 2% evangelical Christian. So it was a very different environment, and we, we felt called to be in a city where there was a need to hear about the gospel. And, and, and what that basically means is that simple things that maybe I grew up hearing from a long time, sometimes people just have never heard, or they, they don't see a regular presentation of what that is and even during this advent season as we say it's something that we we go over and even as obed approach me about preaching. He's like, yeah, we need to preach something about hope. I'm like, yeah, I got one, you know, because we have do the same thing as as ministers, you know, as, as church planners. We're probably going to do the same series, but I feel like it's so important for, for one, for those who know Jesus to calibrate and remember what this season is about, and also for those people who, who don't know Jesus or are exploring and figuring out who he is to, to have this idea introduced, because increasingly the idea that Jesus is the reason for the season is is becoming more foreign in our culture. It's like our, our world, San Diego is an amazing city. It's truly America's finest city, right? I mean, I am i didn't know places like this even existed, or I probably would have come to college here. I just, when they when I moved here and they told me it was 75, because they'd been joke. you know, I moved out here, or we visited, and they were kind of joking with me a lot about a lot of stuff, ribbing me because I'm from a smaller place, and I just thought they were lying when they told me it was 75. I just... And, and sunny most days. I just did not, I literally thought there's no way that's possible. But you come to this city and it's an amazing, beautiful place. And I, I tell church planners that are thinking about coming here, unless you love San Diego, you don't need to come here because the people, they just make room for somebody who loves the city because it's an amazing place to be. There's so, there's so many awesome things, but also there's just such a vacuum of understanding about who Jesus is. And the city doesn't wake up And think hey we want to make jesus known there's a lot of things going on some are great some are not but as a church it's our responsibility to be a light and to not just to proclaim but as through our deeds the way that we serve all of this time to make it known who jesus is and and during this season it's a a cultural opening as as obed was saying where people are more open to, to hear about that so i have the opportunity to speak about hope. And I'm, I'm encouraged and I'm excited to, to do that. And bef- before I begin, I-, I wanna take a moment to pray. And I also wanna take a moment just for you guys to consider a few questions just to yourself. Um, first is this, where, where is, or what is your greatest hope for your life? What is the greatest hope for your life? Or put another way, what is your preferred future? if you will. what are, in, in your mind, now most of us have some picture of that where we would say, wow, if everything went my way, um, this is how I would like my life to go. And generally what I have found, whatever your preferred future is, is going to direct the way that you make decisions, right? I mean, that's that's going to, most people are going to move towards their preferred future in one way or another. So a uh, tag-along question to that is where is that pursuit taking you? Where where are you going in life? You know, we we're just in hearing that this church was just in Ecclesiastes. It's funny because these are uh, existential questions for us to, to consider also, but um, consider these questions. Once again, what is your greatest hope? What is your preferred future? Where is that pursuit taking you? Where are you going? So let, let's just take a moment to pray. Father, um, we just thank you for this time to, to gather. And I know this is a, this is a holiday season for many of us. So I just wanted to take a moment, all of us together here, just to, just to pause and uh, maybe just exhale and uh, just get, make space for you to speak to us today. And I know I get so busy um, even during this, this time, looking forward to this time to spend with family, to be refreshed and recharged. But I, I've been reminded that none of that happens without you, Jesus. Refreshing, recharging, even quality time, it doesn't happen with my family. It doesn't happen for me unless you're in the center of all things, Jesus. And we just wanna take time this morning for you to speak to us, to intersect our lives. And we have so many voices, so many things that we have brought in with us. We just wanna set those aside for a moment and not be distracted. We want you to speak to us and really give us insight about what our preferred future is now. And Father, humbly, all of us together, as we uh, just unite in prayer, we ask that you would make known what your hope is for us, what your desires are for us, and how we can experience those. These things we ask in Jesus' name, amen. And so what what I wanted to do uh, just look at a couple verses to set a frame of of this idea of hope. And one of my favorite sections of scripture to to speak about hope is from Proverbs. So a couple of Proverbs come to mind for me, and I'm gonna share those on the screen. Proverbs uh, chapter 13, verse 12, and Proverbs chapter 10, verse 28. Here's what these Proverbs say. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. In verse uh, chapter 10 verse 28 says this, the hopes of the godly result in happiness but the expectations of the wicked come to nothing. So Proverbs is sort of the original Twitter timeline chapters 10 through 31 it's like just all these random stuff kind of flowing in there there's amazing wisdom that's that's laid out for us and and what I like to do when I teach is to give I'm a pretty simple guy so I like to as you leave to have a few thoughts that you could could frame as you move forward and the first is this discern carefully a worthy target for your hope Discern carefully a worthy target for your hope. And the reason is this. First, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. So what that says is when we have pursued something, our our main hope, if we run after that and we chase after that and we we sacrifice, we give blood, sweat, and tears, life energy, life force to achieve that or achieve make it a reality, and if it doesn't, it, sometimes there's one or two possibilities. Even we never we never catch it, or we catch it, and we realize it's not what we thought it was going to be, it, it can literally infect our heart. And what Proverbs also says is the heart is is the wellspring. It's the fountain for all of life. So it's going to influence the way that we see the world. And I think most of us have, pro- maybe, hopefully you haven't been in this season, maybe you have. We've all been around people, though, that have literally lived in a state of hopelessness, or their 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 heart has been uh, infected, if you will, by by like a failed hope, and 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 the same way. While that's that's intimidating, what it says here, though, but to have a real hope that is fulfilled that can be a lifelong encouragement for us and that's something where as we experience that man that that just moves us forward it encourages us and it lets us know that there there is something worth living for or an analogy that I think about it's if if you've ever been uh, reaching for a handrail or doing some construction, I've been doing some construction work, helping out some churches lately. And I anytime I don't know if you guys are like me, anytime I do any manner of construction work, I'm gonna get some kind of splinter. And I like my wife. My wife is always like, "Hey, just wear gloves." And I'll have gloves in my compartment. I'll forget it, you know, I, really I should have, my wife is sort of like the, the voice of the Holy Spirit, you know, incarnate there, and I should listen to her a whole lot more, but I don't, and I go, and some. no matter how careful I are, pick, I am picking up a piece of wood, I'm always gonna end up getting a splinter. But you know what's even worse is if you were like a handrail or something where literally you're leaning onto something and for it to stab you, or that—that's basically the idea. And Scripture talks about that for the nation of Israel. They were—they were depending upon all these other nations. That was their hope. And you lean upon them, and it's just this handrail that just splint, which is not a—not a very good good metaphor. And that's why the the Lord is encouraging us to make sure that the hope that we're chasing is worthwhile. In the same way, in in uh, chapter ten, verse twenty-eight, where it says, "The hopes of the godly result in happiness, but the expectations of the wicked come." To nothing. When we think about our hope, what Proverbs also entails, tells us to do is look at our character. So when we think about, like what what it's saying here, is even if somebody that is well, like when it says wicked. It, it, Proverbs is interesting as it lays out these people it doesn't inherently mean that somebody is just born where they will always be a villain if you will or always be a good person but their their life is characterized the trajectory if you will the heading that they're on a person in their heart that is going the wrong way which confession before I came to Christ that's where I was I mean I was I was living even though I came to Christ as a, I was 11 years old when I came to Christ it was very selfish um, would do, would do whatever I needed to do to benefit me at any given time. And if I could get away with it, that was even better. And that was just like, fast forward, the trajectory that I was on was not to be a great guy. It was to be a, uh, a grade A jerk, if you will, as you know, would pay his taxes, do most of the good things, but would not have been able to have a functional family, would not have been able to have a functional marriage because it was all about me. And, and what, so what when we think about hope, we also have to look inside and we have to say, Lord, we need you to change our hearts. We need you to change the, uh, the way that we see the world. So it's not like that we just can arrive at this destination and somehow that's going to fix everything in our life. But really, a the, the, uh, healthy hope comes from an overflow of a healthy heart and asking the Lord to give us this grace to discover what's really worthwhile. And so today we're we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 through 12 and exploring this idea of some unlikely people that are looking at they're they're pursuing this hope and what, what when you read the the gospels you know there's stuff that if most of you maybe have read maybe some of you haven't there's things that we read that's just normal to us because we've heard it before but there's really it's really extraordinary what the events that took place and not just that Jesus was, you know, born of a virgin. There's amazing things, but even the other people that are involved in this story. And today we're going to look at these, you know, the wise men. As most of you have probably heard about the wise men, right? We've we've seen them in some way, but they were they were highly unlikely to be involved in Jesus's life in any way. But because I believe they were really seeking after God and hoping to find Him, that God, he he discovered, he made himself known, he revealed to the revealed himself to them in unexpected way. So let's let's start off by reading Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 through 12. It says this: Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, "Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him." King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this. As was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? Now, King Herod couldn't do a Google search at that time, so he did the next best thing. He gathers these leaders together, and so he was a, a, a Roman ruler at this time, overseeing this, and he was ruled for 33, 34 years. Now, um, he didn't know this at the time, but he's ending, nearing the ending of his reign. So he's learning from these people as this king of the Jews, he's like, hey, this is, you know, we hear that news as a, uh, you know, looking back, understanding the story. We think, oh, it's great. King Herod didn't feel that way. He's like, I'm the king of the Jews. This is He feels like he's about to be supplanted. And so where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And for you, O Bethlehem in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Questionable motives here, but the wise men have no reason to question Herod at this time. But in verse nine, it says, after this interview, the wise men went their way and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. Now, uh, side note, if for science nerds out there, I'm a bit of a science nerd myself, but um, this, there is actually like real um, astronomy history that shows us there were a number of um, uh, like celestial events that were taking place, whether Halley's Comet or there was a conversion of Jupiter and Saturn at this time. So I'm not going to get super nerdy with you guys today, but just know this is not like Disney, you know, you know little character. Oh, I wish, blah, blah, blah. There's a start. No, this was like, this is verified. So we don't have to go into all the details, but yes, there's some science behind there. So let, let that uh, put your hearts at ease at this moment. But uh, it went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. To put a a modern day spin, if you will, um, Mary, Joseph, and and Jesus would uh, maybe have been something that uh, some of my family lived with at time. Imagine like these. These black escalades show up with all these government officials like a stack of, of four escalades show up and you know they show up to a trailer park and you know and jesus is maybe uh as old as two years old at this time it's possible based upon when herod does some of his future actions we, we can know this but these these this government, and you know they're like what's going on you know maybe baby jesus is out there playing in the dirt doing what my kids did, eating dirt, whatever it is, you know, Jesus having to, I always have, have to tell my kids to stop eating the sand. Didn't understand that. But uh, I was a little concerned about him for a while. So baby Jesus, just being a baby, doing all these things. And then these, these government officials, high ranking from a foreign, entity, uh, a foreign country show up and they see this, this little child and they worship him. And they bow down and they worship him. Not only that, it says, then they opened their treasure chests. This big briefcase, right? (laughs) Opens up, and they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. And for, not only for those, uh, the people that, more than likely these magi came from, uh, perhaps around Iraq at that time, a region. And so um, for still, even amongst Muslim people groups today, the power of dreams is, is something that they really recognize. So amongst uh, missionaries that serve, they really pray for people to have dreams. So this is, once again, this is not just some random thing that would have happened, but God literally spoke to them and, and gave them wisdom to go a different way. Also, as I was uh, reading through this story, It reminded me a lot of The Mandalorian for some reason. Have you guys seen the... The Mandalorian. So imagine, like Mando, you know, he shows up and he's like the wise men, and you've got, you know, the child instead of, you know, Grogu, you know, the little uh, Yoda like. It's not Yoda. It's not baby Yoda. My kids will correct you on that once again. But, you know, so Mandalorian is the Magi. It would be a lot cooler if it was like that, but there's still, you know, still a really cool story. But he comes up and he protects this child, right? And it, so it's very very similar theme that's laid out, but. Um, you know, So these magi, they, they come and, and, and they go back in a different way. And so there's a few, th- once again, three final points to take away as, as we are helping us to discern a worthy um, target for our hope. And the first is this, to seek after the source of true hope, Jesus. Seek after the source of true hope, Jesus. And as I said, with with the the wise men, the kings uh, that, that came, you know, actually there's it doesn't say that there was just three. So we don't know how many there were. They did bring three gifts, so sometimes you hear those Christmas songs. It's like, dude, all this time you said three kings, you know. We gotta amend the the, the songs. You know, there could have been more or less, but but anyway, these these uh, wise men magi were not uh they, they're they're working for these this foreign government and they're actually using astrology to track the stars so they were astronomers but they also went beyond just studying the stars to making predictions and and, and spiritual components so for those keeping score at home that's not really that's not something that we recommend like is some people are like maybe, honestly or humbly check a horoscope, I wouldn't recommend that. You know, that's like, hey, if you want to, to find hope, you want to figure out what direction you should take, what choice you should make that day, read read the word. Let's spend time in prayer. Let's do that because God's, he's a perfect father that's going to reveal himself to you. So it's, it's amazing. Once again, it's highly unexpected that these wise men would, would, be led to this because they were doing something that's not prescribed by God. <laughs> so it, just understanding this, this is very, very unlike, it sounds normal to us because we've heard this before, but this is not normal. This is very unlikely that this would appear. But God, I, I believe why, so someone asked, why did God make himself known to these men in this manner, even though they went about it the wrong way? I believe it because they were genuinely seeking the Lord. Or they were genuinely seeking what is real truth, what is real hope. And that is something that can relate to us today and to our city. And this is what I always encourage, which I love, The Obed and I talked about this a lot. I love the uh, Life Explored course that you guys are doing as, as, a, as an opportunity to give people in your community a chance to come and just say, I don't know if Jesus is the way, but I am seeking truth. I am seeking what is real and what is genuine. And I believe if somebody will have that attitude, it's just a matter of time until God makes himself known. The question, though, is are we going to yield control of our life? Because we actually, whatever reality is, we like having control of our stuff. <laughs> we like making decisions. We don't want to let go of the wheel, but, but Jesus will make himself known. And they were, even though they went about it the wrong way, they were really seeking after him. Or if you guys are familiar with uh, the parable of the soils, uh, of, of the sower, there's the four different soils that are there, you know, the, the hard soil, kind of like the, the road or, you know, they didn't have paved interstates in, in Jesus's day. But imagine if you're sowing seed and you throw some seed on the five, you know, you're probably not gonna expect a lot of a return from, from that at that point. You know, birds are gonna come and eat it, maybe, Get run over, stop traffic. Who knows what's going to happen? But uh, definitely not going to be a crop from from the five. And and so that's that's like in in our hearts, if we are we're just resistant, we're re- refusing to even listen to what the claims are. it Would somebody say, "I'm not going to seek God. I'm not even going to. I don't care what truth is. I'm just going to live my life the way that I want to." It's like, okay, well that's that's your choice. But if we're being honest, and you're saying like you are completely disregarding truth just to have your preference. That's actually a very scary place to live. I hope most of us would, would say if something was real, I would be willing to change my life. I hope that's where we would be, but not, that's not ever where everybody is. And what we as a as followers of Christ, what we can do if somebody's at that point, still love them, still be gracious, still be kind to them, be a friend to them, because that that is a cycle. And like you've discussed in Ecclesiastes, it leads to meaninglessness. And so um, it's a roller coaster, and you ride, and there's ups and downs, but you end up at the same spot where you started just with a greater sense of emptiness. The shallow soil is is not letting the gospel go down deep to make a difference in us. It's, you know, planting seeds out on the beach out there. You're not going to have anything really come from that. And then the weeds, where it's, where we are, uh, the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke out uh, the gospel growth. And I think there's a lot of people that are in this phase, whether they're followers of Christ or not, they're so You know, consumed paying rent and, you know, paying your mortgage and, you know, climbing the corporate ladder or getting your kids to soccer practice or whatever the case may be. Whatever that preferred future is, we're chasing after that. But I believe the Magi were the good soil. Well, they were just they were broken. They were open and they were they were willing to hear from God. And it was the good soil, which, you know, 30, 60, 100 fold return from what can be come out of that. So for us, I, and that's what my opening prayer, the real desire is that we'd be willing to be open for God to speak to us in that way and to, to move things around, to disrupt our lives. And I think I have seen God's faithfulness in so many ways. You know, we talk about church planning, but get real practical just in marriage. I just, I can't tell you how blessed my, my marriage to my wife. It's not perfect, but I just, with my wife, I'm so grateful for her. And I, I, I'm grateful because I knew I know when I was 19, I came to Christ when I was 11. And when I was 19, I really had a realization that I had no idea of what it took to build a healthy relationship. In 19 years of life, I had received very little blueprint to have a healthy relationship with the opposite sex. I had no idea whatsoever. And that's, that's actually the beginning of learning, right? Is conscious um, lack, of, lack of ability. The worst is unconscious inability, right? You don't know what you don't know, but I learned, I, at least I was aware of what I didn't know, and I, I found these other godly men where I saw, you have a great marriage. I want to learn from you. And, and they realized, you. they instructed me, dude, you can't allow your own wishes, your own desires. You have to be open to what the Lord wants to do in your life. And, and I, I have been so blessed because I sought after him and I was willing to lay that out. And I say that, not to boast, but to give God the praise and the glory. And I just, I just say, whatever, I think marriage is, is, a, is a big pain point in our, in our culture. Relationships are a pain point in our culture right now. Families are a pain point. And to say, no matter, I, it was unlikely for me to experience that. And to say, God is willing, he is able to make that work. The second idea that we see in this passage is to let your plans be disrupted to find true hope. And what we see with, so we have the, the, the Magi who, their response, but then we have Herod who, a little, little backstory on Herod. Um, you know, as I mentioned, he ruled for 33 to 34 years. Um, I believe history records him having died at 4 BC. So once again, for those keeping score at home, Jesus probably was born like around 6 BC So it's like wow, the whole calendars are off. we've got to go change everything again but uh, m- more stuff that we learned but, but Herod had, had spent this he actually had been very successful. Herod the Great, you just don't get that name because you know you just showed up. you know he was had, had accomplished many things but he was, it was a bloody rain while he was there. it wasn't abnormal. It was a bloody time in, in many ways but this was towards the end of his life. And, and he actually had been diagnosed with some type of incurable disease. And this was towards the end of his reign. There was a lot of turmoil in his family. He, I think he had as many as 10 wives, which, you know, that's, that's going to create a little. And you've got, you can only have one king and you've got... 10 wives with probably, I don't even know how many children, you can just imagine, you know, Christmas time, would. holidays were pretty tough in, in the Herod household, you know, if you will. But this is all coming uh, to fruition. And then he hears there's this other king of the Jews that has been born. And it's just like his worst fears were realized. He's like, man, now this is, so what does he do? Which, you know, we didn't cover it today, but he goes to extreme measures to have all of any any young male that's Two years or younger to have them killed, and, and Jesus and his family is is encouraged to go to uh, to Egypt, and so where, where Jesus spends some time. But basically, Herod was was so in his mind, and and I think when we read. Once again, we think about here, we just think of him as a villain. He's like, a, you know, like the, uh, I talked about Mandalorian, you know, Mandalorian's a good guy and the other guys are the, are the, are the bad guys. And we just think, I think in his mind, he felt he was doing a good thing. He's like, Hey, I've, I've done a lot of good things. If I have to, you know, kill some people for the greater good, I'm willing to do that because it had become so twisted that he thought his good was just the good for everyone else. And and what we have to do is to allow God to disrupt our plans for His greater good. And what we say is that it's not that Jesus's church has a, has a mission, but Jesus's mission has a church. We as as His church, we exist for Him. And and for me as a as a uh, as a, a person who helps support church planting. Every time we plant a church, we have to understand, this is not just us coming together, just trying to do what we want to do. But it's it's unique in the fact that we come together to discern discern what the Lord is calling us to do at this place and this time as a part of his redemptive mission. And all of us have a part in the story. The Magi, the wise men have a part in the story. Unfortunately, Herod could have had a, a part in the story as well. He just, he didn't wanna be a part of God's story. It was only Herod's story. And it was all about him. For us, we have to be willing to lay aside our plans for the greater good that God has for us. Even in the Lord's Prayer, I, I pray this regularly with my kids. And, um, you know, I just felt led to pray it in a lot of different ways. And it's funny where, where we pray and we ask for God to give us our daily bread. You know, it's, it's, it's our daily bread, right? It's just what we need for one day. And that is very hard for me. It's very hard for the American culture, first and foremost. Americans, we want to have more than one day of provision, right? But the reason why that works is because God says, hey, I got you. You only have to, you don't have to worry about all the future days because I I have all, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. Do you really think, you know, I set this universe in motion. Do you really think I'm worried about Jeremy? You know, is he not going to make it? No, he's going to be okay. You know, just, I'm going to take care of you. You don't have to have it all in your hand because we want our plans and we want our plans to work without the Lord in many instances, right? Even as believers, we want to know that, hey, God, you know, started, with grace. But after that, we feel like, oh, we actually, I got it, I got it from now, Jesus. And that's what, what Colossians, well, Paul writes, you know, he's saying, just as you started, you know, accepted Jesus as Lord, continue in him, rooted and built it up. So we, we go, go down deep into Christ. And if we needed him at the beginning, we need him even more, if that's possible, as we move forward. So just a few verses about God's plans, uh, from, from Proverbs commit your actions to the Lord, and your plans will succeed. It's funny, like, what I would encourage, maybe even take a picture or write some of these verses down, because it's funny, like, I will, it's so simple. It's like, duh, you know, in many, in many ways, but you, you think about that, and it's like, have I committed my actions to the Lord? Is this really about Him, or is this about Jeremy? Is, and, and with, that's what these, these proverbs they force us to ask ourselves these introspective questions to think about, like when I pray for my marriage to be successful, or for, I pray for my children to grow up. Like, what are what are my prayers for? What is my hope for my kids? Is it am I hoping that they can just do things that I was not able to do, or am I am I hoping that um, if they succeed somehow that I am uh, vicariously living through them? That's that's honestly if I'm being real with you guys, I see a lot of parents because I, I used to play a lot of sports. And at one time, some people thought I was good at a few things. <laughs> and But w- what you realize, uh, we all hand the, back, the ball back at some point. And so I see these, these parents where they're just hoping that they're, they're driving all around the West. It's not just San Diego or Southern California. It's all over the country. You know, certainly Arizona. And I'm not trying to hate if you guys are on traveling team. Once again, I love sports. Just hear me on this hear me on this, but you just have to learn is, man, you just can't make your kid. There's 450 people that play in the NBA. You know, that's just, that's just the reality. More statistically speaking, they're probably not going to go pro in basketball, or if they do, it may be in another country. Even then, you know, there's, there's just not, there's greater things for your life than being successful at sports. Where I grew up, that was it, you know, is be great at sports, or you're just like worthless. I mean, that's kind of what, People would say, you know, in high school, it's like it's all downhill after there, which is a horrible way to think about life. There is more, but we have to make sure that our hope is is really committed to the Lord. And Proverbs 16.9 16, 9 says, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Or another way to think about it, we set our heading, okay? Like, I know we have some military folks here I was hearing at the beginning. We, from a naval standpoint, we set a direction, a course. We can't control what's going to happen. You know, there's, as we, as we make decisions, that's for us. We say, Lord, we, wanna, we want our heading to be you, and we trust you to reveal things. And we're going to have to go with the flow because we're not God. It's the begin, Proverbs, the beginning of wisdom, is, you know, respect for God, fear of the Lord. It's an understanding that God is God. And that I'm not, Herod couldn't get around that and it cost him dearly. And then in in, uh, Proverbs 19, verse 21, it says, you can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. Wow, we can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. And that's that's really what sovereignty means. Sovereignty doesn't mean that God overwhelms our agency, our own free will. It means that we can do whatever we want And we have full control over our free will, but God's purpose will prevail. It's just write it down. The question is, do we wanna be on the winning team or not? And that's what this calls us to do is say, Lord, disrupt my life and allow me to follow you. And the the final uh, idea for us to take away is this, to worship and submit to King Jesus. As I mentioned, you have these magi that show up and they're joyful. I believe it was because they had been seeking after something greater, a a, a real purpose, a real hope. What is what is true? And it, as we said, through unexpected means—a um, nice way to say it—or you know, just unbiblical, ungodly means, God made Himself known, and He revealed Himself to these people, and they came. But but they just didn't come. They, It's, you know, verse 11, it says, "'They entered the house and saw the child "'with his mother Mary, and they bowed down "'and worshiped him.'" Getting out of the Escalade in their nice suit with their earpieces and a security detail, they bowed down in a dirty trailer park, and they saw a little baby in a diaper, you know, like an old beat-up car in the front yard, who knows what it is, and they worshiped this child. These men who could have done accomplish who accomplished many things, but they were willing to to humble themselves and submit themselves not just to its its worship and submission to this king to this this new king that was there, and I I think a question once again for us to ask ourselves is this: What is our response to King Jesus? And as much as we celebrate him now um, in this time as a as a baby, and it it is truly Unfathomable, And this is why, you know, like in that kind of in the vein of our Life Explored class, when people ask me, you know, why do you think, there's so many reasons why I see validity in the gospels and its truthfulness. One of those being every, when we make up stories, we don't make up stories like, like what Jesus did. We, we make up stories that highlight greatness. Even you look at other deities, other other religions that have created these gods. You don't have a God that becomes like his, that limits himself. That is, you know, the creator of all things, the the eternal, uh, you know, forever existing, it, becoming a baby, to have, to, like I said, to have to, baby Human babies are helpless. Some would argue humans are helpless until about twenty-five, you know, depending on uh, you know your your views of that. Um, but with with kids, you realize, man, I had these these kids. I'm like, somebody did this for every human walking around here. Somebody did this. I'm like, this is mine. You know, like, wow, I can't believe this. And Jesus had to learn how to walk. He had to learn how to go to the bathroom, he had to have Mary changes, you know, whatever they were wearing at those dumb diapers, whatever the case may be that, that Jesus would do these things. It's so out of the way that we would write stories in the way that we think about it. And it calls us to this king that came in this way. He don't, Don't misunderstand, and as Obed said, we celebrate his first coming and his second coming that he will accomplish his purpose, and he is great and he is mighty, and he calls us to kneel. And it's but as we kneel, we realize this is the king that that is not um, haughty or distant or unrelated to us, but literally poured out his blood for us after we had. Joined the enemy's efforts to disrupt his rule. And after all the things we're every day waking up, the breath that we have, the life that we have coming from him, yet living in our own path and, and me being guilty as well, all of us have to come to this point where we realize who Jesus is. And during this season, we were reminded to bow down and to worship him. And, and to conclude, what I, what I wanted to do is just to read a few lyrics from uh, a song that most of you have probably heard, Holy Night, right? Everybody, that's one of my favorite Christmas songs. So, but it's, it's, it's sad to me in this time that so many people have such a sense of hopelessness and literally sing songs. You go, you hear it and we talk about it and they don't even know what those songs are about, right? I mean, that's, that's pretty ironic, but it's sad. It's in that way. And just with Holy Night to hear these, Oh, Holy Night, I'm not going to sing it. They were asking, are we going to sing this? I'm like, no, I will read the lyrics. But, um, Oh, Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary soul rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn led by the light of faith, serenely beaming with glowing hearts by his cradle. We stand so led by light of a star sweetly gleaming. Here comes the wise men from Orient land. The King of Kings lay thus in lowly manger in all our trials born to be our friend. Truly he taught us to love one another. His love, his law is love and his gospel is peace. Chain shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy, in grateful chorus raise we, let all within us praise his holy name. And then like just what, what the, uh, the wise men did. Fall on your knees, Oh, hear the angel voices, O oh, night divine, O oh, night when Christ was born. Or once again, as we said, two years later when, when he came. We keep learning all these Christmas myths, right, that are out there. But what it gets right is these wise men came and they bowed down and they worshiped. And today, what, what I want just, to just to conclude is I feel like some of us, and, and even for me as a believer, it's easy to find myself pursuing a false hope. And what I want to encourage some of you, if you feel like as maybe... I know it, this is a deep question, and most of us, were too busy. We're going like 80 miles an hour down the five to really slow down and even think about where we're going. And, and it's always funny. It's like, oh, I'm too busy to slow down and think about where you're going. It's like, really? I hope not. I hope you have time to pull over and make sure you're going the direction in which you're pursuing so hard. But during this time, if you find out that you've been pursuing a false hope, I, I just want you to have the wisdom to slow down and, and open yourself. Just like these wise men who probably would have had everything they needed, but they said there's something more. There's something more to life. And I hope that that would lead you to fall on your knees before Jesus and find real hope. I think that some of us possibly have been living with a sick heart because of what I said at the beginning with this a hope deferred makes the heart sick. Maybe, maybe you have uh, achieved something that you thought was going to bring meaning. I, I'm a person that inherently (laughs) tries to validate myself with achievement. And what I have learned is over and over again, it is empty and it is meaningless. And when I, one peak, there's another, or if somehow, in some way you arrive at the top, all that you end up like a Herod, where you just, all that it, all that it is, is about Jeremy, 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 moving forward, keeping Jeremy. And it's, it's we are created for more than that you aren't you are more than what you accomplish you are more than what you achieve so don't don't live for these these empty hopes but find the real hope in christ and if you are if you have a sick heart in some way i would encourage you to you know i'm here but obviously obed dan the pastoral team here are amazing it's an amazing church so grateful for king's cross church and that god has placed it here and brought the breathos here so we just encourage you to come in and understand it's not like you just come and pray with Obed and then it's like, all right, I'm good to go now. It's, it's a process, it's a journey to really uncover that and for you to even become aware of what you're facing or why, why you feel that way. But I encourage you to start that journey with this church. And as I said, some of us who do know Christ, um, maybe we've just become distracted. Somehow we've just forgotten that this Jesus who was born, uh, he's, he's the king. He's the, the, the ruler over all things, the king of kings and lord of lords. And we just, no matter how important we are, how busy we are, we can't lose sight of bowing down and worshiping and submitting ourselves to him. Because what's at the center of your life? That's what you worship. Some people say, oh, I don't, I don't worship. I'm like, I understand you may not be a religious person, but you worship something. Something's at the center of your life and we need to put Jesus at the center and never get away from that gospel truth that the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our lord he he paid that for us so um Today I'm just going to I'm going to uh, pray a final prayer and then I believe the band is going to come back up and lead us in a moment of worship. So um, you know as I said I know Obed and his team will be around. I'm sure on your connection card, you can write down any any needs that you would have but 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 for real, do that. Don't just don't just leave, don't just hear this and 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 go back to doing the same things that we've done. Take time reach out to this church. They can't help you unless you share what's going on in your life. It's just it's reality. Community is it requires vulnerability. It's just to have real relationships, you have to be vulnerable to people. But these this church is a place where you can grow and you can be nourished and you can you can find that hope that is an encouragement for for you whatever season that you face. So let's pray together. Father, give me the wisdom to consider what hope I'm living for, and help me to make your you. My hope. I give you permission to disrupt my life if it is leading me away from you. I thank you for sending Jesus to live and die for our sin. I worship Jesus now and submit myself to Him. And Jesus, we just say thank you. We say thank you that you would come and and live in a unexpected, relatively obscure location with just a regular family and and even as you were an adult and you the title that you gave for yourself was son of man because you wanted us to know that you took great joy and love and and pleasure in being here with us because that's your hope that's that's who you are you are love and i just i see our city our city is, is an amazing city that is here for you. You have even created this amazing place, but there's a lot of broken people in our city, Jesus. There may be broken people here today. Broken people who need hope. My, my family, we are, we are alive because of you, because of the hope that you give. And I just pray that other families here could know that hope. And we pray for the work that you're doing here in King's Cross through Life Explored, through uh, you know these Sunday services, through through ministry, that all the ministries that they have, that you would uh, bring a harvest of people to find this hope and to become agents of, of hope that can pass it on to other people. And as, as the wise men did, Father, I just pray that we would never grow past bowing down and, and submitting ourselves to you. We love you. We thank you for just the hope that you give us. And just let that be an anchor for us through whatever we face. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.